Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Listeners and welcome to episode 23 of the From the Finney podcast. We're back. It's 2022. It's been nice to have a break, but Jimmy, Ollie, and myself will be discussing the win against Stoke City, our exit in the FA Cup, the start of Ryan Lowe's reign, and the transfer window. So enjoy, boys. It's good to be back. Jimmy, are you well, mate? Yeah, happy New Year. Good yeah, to be back. Same to you, mate. Ollie, you good? Very well, thank you. Good. Yeah, before we get into this, as I say at the start of every episode, you can support us here at From the Finney with a one-off donation or regular. It's entirely up to you. Uh, Just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash From the Finney and anything that's received is massively appreciated. Um, Jim, we've been doing quite well in the charts, haven't we, recently? Yeah, we've not been out there. Top 100 football podcast on Apple, which is nice. Yeah. What uh, What can the listeners do if they're listening on an Apple device? Guys, don't put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> five star review would be nice. A few comments would be nice. And call Jake a few naughty words if you want. They'll probably get asterisks out and an apple. But uh, yeah, if you can do that, be that'd be great. Yeah, so much appreciated. Especially with what we've got coming up this week. Yeah, yeah. Thursday's going to be fun. Um, hope I'm hoping that I can continue the start to the year with former managers as guests um, in the coming weeks and months but still got a few bits to work out on a couple of guests there but fingers crossed um, yeah the Stoke City game boys I know obviously Jim you were there Ollie you've watched it what What are your thoughts? Were you there Jay? Yeah I was there we work That makes a change doesn't it you go into the way day <laughs> To be fair it's my furthest south Frightening. I've already got my application in for West Brom, so that'll I'll take the further south crown. Uh, I well, I like I like the Hawthorns to be fair. Yeah, it's it's like deep, well, I know it's not like DW, but it's quite compact and it? mm. it's yeah. only holds like twenty four thousand or something like that. Yeah, no. you'll enjoy that one, Jake. Yeah, I'm looking forward. Played to there. It. Played at Hawthorns. Nice mm. pitch. When was the Stoke game? I mixed up. It was Bank Holiday Monday. Yeah, I thought we yeah, played uh, very well, considering the COVID stuff. I wasn't sure who would be playing, who would be fit. Um, I thought today you could see a few of them tired, but Stoke, I thought you could see exactly what Ryan Lowe wanted. don't think they really would have deserved to lose the game. But then to go back and win it, very, very positive. Um, and yeah, I think Whiteman and Johnson, you could see are going to be key players going forward. Um, and the back three as it was on the day. Probably by far the strongest back three. Um, so yeah, I thought you could see a lot of a lot of patterns of play, uh, especially like overloading both sides, empty in the middle of the pitch, and then getting crossed into the box. So very positive. Quite a strange game, weren't it? I mean, first half didn't think there was much between the two teams. Thought it was quite an average first half, to be honest. Um, just it was just nice to see DJ where he was playing, like he's playing sort of on. Um, Wilmot for a lot of the first half in terms of like he was just drifting off into that left pocket leaving Earl with quite a bit of space to attack that left left flank um, and then just obviously leaving Whiteman and Brown quite central which was good it obviously like come out out second half and you've got to sort of doff your cap really to, to Wilmot for what is an unbelievable strike you know that's probably one of the best goals I've seen in the flesh you know for a pure like venom strike I was like wow he's but I suppose that sort of like sparked us into life and thought we were a better team second half. Um, 
you know, I, I think Evans had a good game, to be fair to him. You know, I, I thought he linked us up really well, you know, as well as sort of contributing towards the winner eventually. But, you know, I think Brad Potts deserves a massive credit. And I think the gaffer does as well for playing him at right wing back because it's not something that either of the two previous managers have thought about doing. Um, obviously, when you look at Potts, he's got every attribute that you think suits a right wing back at this level. You know, he's got a good engine, he's decent in the air. If you don't give him loads of time to think, he can play a decent pass. He, he, his weight of pass is all right. So I just thought he, he sort of silenced a lot of the, you know, the critics and, you know, especially sort of the over, overly critical people that have like, had a go at him. And like, even if he's in the lineup, it's like tagging North End on Twitter and stuff like that. It's like, well, that one was for you. And, you know, fair play to him with his celebration. You're straight in with fans and, you could see how much it meant to him as well. It so, surprised me that because even in the warm up, uh, me and George were watching the shooting drill that they were doing, and I think he he'd put a few wide or over it, and or a few had been saved. And he, he when he eventually scored one, there was like a small number an of ironic people cheer. jeering. And yeah, I'm like, there was an ironic <laughs> cheer. But you could hear it in the back of the stand. I'm like, cause I was sat down at front, and I, was like, I said to the guy next to me, I said, "Is that about just like, like give him a break?" <laughs> So yeah, fair play to him, but I, I thought as good as we were, I was really disappointed with, with Stoke. thought they were lazy out of possession, thought they fell apart last half, and I was soon as uh, Fletcher went off, thought they were, I thought they fell to bits, to be fair. Yeah, I think uh, I said at the time to someone else, I think a better team probably would have punished us, opened us up quite a lot going through mm-hmm. the middle. I thought Ince and Campbell, it was 4-3-3, but they were very narrow and they stayed very high, so it worked massively in our favour. I think we had Earl, Johnson, Whiteman. He had one of the strikers linking it in the wide areas. Uh, just basically 3v2s, 4v3s, very easily. Um, and that's probably the easiest I've said in North End getting to the final third in a long time. Um, but just going back to Potts, I think any midfielder who attacks the box well can probably play right wing back quite well if they're mobile. Alan Brown attacks the box well. Brad Potts, to be fair to him, has always attacked the box quite well when he's been given that role. I think he scored at Stoke a couple of years ago as well uh, when he was sort of in that rhythm of attacking the box from midfield. So yeah, I thought he did well. did well again. And when you've got territory like that, you don't need to really play a defensive player in that area. Um, so it made sense. And yeah, like Jimmy, I thought Stoke were really poor. I expected a lot more. I thought Vrancic was decent. Um Wilmot probably stood out because of the goal, but I thought just generally very ponderous in possession. Um, yeah. Vancic, it, allowed us, it allowed us to play how we wanted to play, basically. Yeah, Vancic had a good first half, didn't he? He had a good first half at North End as well in the, in the first game. But then, I, I suppose after an hour, it just seemed to go like seemed to go quiet. Did it in both games, like even in the game at Deepdale. thought, like, this guy's a player. Like, and then, Got to half time and Stoke were on top. I think it was one apiece, weren't it? Whiteman free kick or deflected shot. I forgot which one of the two free it were. Free kick, but like I thought Stoke were probably the better team first half at Deepdale, and then second half just became a non-event from from what I remember. Um, but yeah, that bunch. You can just tell he's got he's got quality. He was quite successful at Norwich, can't you? Yeah, probably just doesn't not athletic enough to play higher. Mm. Um, mm which probably says why he faded. But there were just quite a lot of interesting patterns, like Sepp in the right-back area, parts quite high on the right-wing-back area, getting out like that, finding Whiteman inside their shape, overloading both wide areas and then crossing. Um, obviously, didn't see any of that today, but going forward, when you've got a strong 11 out there, very promising. But yeah, like I said, I think a better team probably could have punished us. On, on just, on, uh, just on Whiteman, do you think... Already in the games that he's featured under low and the fact that he didn't feature today, do you think he's already underlined just how important and how key a player he's going to be in this system under low? 100%. You just shouldn't like today's game, like how much he's missed when he's not playing that role. Just, just links, isn't it? It's that sort of quarterback. Sort of, you know, it's like that. Galli would be perfect in that sort of role, but I think Whiteman's probably a bit more athletic than Galli in terms of like how he's going to be up and down the pitch. Can, do the defensive work okay? You know, I've been quite critical of Whiteman's defensive work in the past, but he can do it okay to an all-out level, you know, especially when he's got Brown and DJ around him as well, you know, just bags of energy. 
you know, he's got sort of legs around him. So, yeah, I think it, it just shows like how much he was missed today, especially. I think just the tempo that he plays at. And when you're building with a back three, the number six needs to rotate to become three. And he does that so well. Just little like round the corners, moving on strikers, blindsides. Um, so yeah, he just, and he can switch the play really well. I think Ledson's probably a bit more um, incisive with his passing in the final third at times. Like today's quite an eye-catching pass into Maguire who took it very well. But Whiteman just generally just takes it over, just effortless. Recycles um, the ball really well, doesn't he? Yeah, he just recycles it and he's, he allows his weight of pass to, to other players is just so well thought out. Um, and he just allows, he's obviously the most important player in that system. Um, mm. And I thought even when he came on today, he didn't really impact it, but he just got that natural ability. It's quite hard to explain what it is, but Paul Gallagher had it and Ben Whiteman's got it. Ledson's more punchy with his passes, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. He, you'll get a lot of key passes, Ledson, when people look at numbers and stats, because obviously the way he passes the ball and, and the areas he passes it into. Yeah. But like his general re- retaining possession and you know, sort of the, the brains and the, the knowledge, you know, you've got to have a brain in that number six role, you know, to just keep the ball moving, keep, you know, and, and sport, I suppose dictate the tempo of the game. Ben Pearson was amazing at dictating the tempo. He'd know when to speed it up and he'd know when to just put his foot on it and kill kill it, you know, and, and kill, you know, put the ball into areas where we just keep it, you know, in probably possession without purpose at that point. But then you'll know when to flip that switch to be able to then step us into, you know, that final third. It's just it's very clever footballer who's got to play that six mm. for us. Yeah. I think the key as well is looking at you see you can switch to play, which is I think it's harder than people think it is. Just mm. ping the ball seventy yards. Ben Pearson was very good, but he couldn't switch to play as well as Ben Whiteman. Um, and the way that we've been playing, well, the way we played at Stoke, when you empty the central space and just want to get it wide, it's so important to do that, and probably miss that today as well. Yeah. Where do you see? I know, obviously, with Lowe's system, it's the six and then the two eights. Where do you see McCann fitting in? Because at, at the minute, he's he's got a struggle on his hands, hasn't he? Yeah, very think, much so. I think there's only there's, there's basically in my eyes there's one role free in that midfield because Johnson and Whiteman are key players. So for the other one, it's Brown, McCann, Potts. Uh, it was. It was. It we're talking about today. He was okay today, uh, but he's, you need that sort of penetration. But I think Preston are going to build up down the left more, and then you need to attack the box. I'm not sure how well he attacks the box. It's like goal threat, McCann. Um, you know, Brown and Potts can actually attack crosses as well in the air. Uh, they can arrive and finish one touch. Not really seen that from McCann yet. Um, but if they played a different wing back, he probably would combine better. But Potts is not really like a combination player, is he? Um, so there's still plenty of time for him to settle into it. But he's just come in, new manager, another new manager, still settling, getting starts. So the thing saying? is, he's only just turned 22. You know, he's 22 in December, still young as a pro. I mean, he was averaging a shot a game for for St Johnston. Obviously, I know it's a completely different level. You know, was scoring a few, a few not not like prolific, but. He had a few goals under his belt for, for St. Johnston. So, look, I think with McCann, he's one for the future if he remains here that long. You know, I think he's, his ceiling is incredibly high as a player, um, as long as he's playing in the right team. And for those at the minute, Brown, I think, playing well. So, it, it, it's hard to drop Brown out of the 11, especially when he's been given the armband as well. It's sort of got that bit of meaning to it. Um, which makes him a little bit less likely to be dropped. But in the day under Ryan Lowe, anything's possible, to be honest. So we'll just wait and see. It's still early days, isn't it? Under, under Lowe and might get a, might get a run of games eventually. You know, I think in that central midfield spot, in terms of M3, in terms of DJ Brown and, and Whiteman, they're going to pick up bookings, they're going to pick up suspensions. It's just one of those things where you do need a fourth midfielder at least, if not a fifth in terms of Ladson. So just wait and see on that. Well, we'll come on to today then, and uh, we'll start at the arse end of the game, but do you think Alan was lucky to stay on? Yeah, to the elbow? It, yeah. Yeah, I think it's too bad. Yeah. I think when, when, the, when the player reacts, like, 
you know it has it, been done basically. I think it was a red. I'm not sure how the ref seen it and given a yellow. I think it just under my underpins how shit the ref was today, to be fair. The handball is just a weird one because he's given a foul, but there's not really any contact for it to be a foul. You know, if that was a corner and John and Evans had given him a little push, it had never been given as a foul because all the other way, it would never be a penalty if it happened to Evans. But the handball, his hands above his head, he knows instantly what he's done. And it's just a penalty. And the ref's just cowered his way out by giving a free kick the other way for a tiny bit of contact. Um, it was so yeah, prob- but, probably would have been last kick of the game if he'd give it, wouldn't it? Yeah, but the McCann, the uh, Maguire penalty, sorry, I think was the correct call. I don't think there was too many complaints. Yeah, um, but just genuinely throughout the game, just it was so stop start. I, I think that was the big thing for me. I mean, everyone's put the still of the handball on, but you know the referees give a decision for the push in the back before that. So you, you know the the handballs is sort of irrelevant because. It, you know, their centre half, it was it Nelson? He's put his arms up in the air to appeal for the push, and that's why obviously he's made contact with the ball. His hands in an unnatural position, but the rest give a foul at the end of the day. So the, the handball at that point becomes slightly irrelevant for me, you know, because the foul's been given. So yeah, it's probably it's probably not a lot in it, but and at day, the rest give it, rest give it. Just one of those things where we just got to go on with it. So. I, I, I don't really have too many complaints about the handball, to be fair, because I just don't think there's... I think because the refs already give a decision for the push, then the, the handball, it's just it becomes an irrelevance for me. I think because the situation is so bizarre, Jake, Nelson's literally just put his hand to punch the ball, appealing for a foul. I think the refs just give a foul because it would look so bizarre if they gave a penalty for that because it's just a weird action. Um, and it's probably just gone, gone through his head in the last minute, like... Just let it be. Um, but yeah, I think it was like 40 fouls or something like that throughout the game. And he didn't really make a yellow card, did he, until later on when their player fouled. Can't remember who it was from behind. And it was obviously a clear Perry, yellow. Perry, Perry NG. NG won it. So he's waited too long to give a yellow, but he's given like 40 fouls. I think there were seven offsides. So a 90-minute game's it's cut short every 30, 30 seconds to 45 seconds. Just no room, no room from either team. Especially in extra time, I thought you could tell North End were tired as well. Some of them players probably have had COVID, um, so you don't know how they're feeling. But it just—it was just a bit of a dull game, and the ref, I thought, just broke it up far too inst- far too often. It was a very Steve Morrison sort of performance, wasn't it? You know, a bit very. It's like that's how stereotypical this is. That's very Millwall in it as a performance, scrappy. Breaking up play, not when it was anywhere near the final third, doing anything they could to stop us getting into the final third where they needed to. Just like, I suppose they just wanted to bring us down to that level. And to be fair, like second half has been one shot on target in the whole game and it's the penalty. I just thought it was really scrappy as an affair. I just never, it never got going. There's no real flow to it. Like, it probably didn't help that... There's a real lack of quality on show, I thought. How much do you think no fans impacted it? Massively. I think, I, 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 you know, that just shows today, like, how bad behind closed doors games are. You know, that, and that's what we've been used, that's what we were used to for 18 months. God, it's no wonder, like, no teams could get any sort of rhythm going or, like, any sort of energy out of performances because it just looks so flat from both teams. It was just horrible to watch. And yeah, Cardiff probably adjusted to it better than us, I thought. I think like if you look at the two performances we've just put in against Barnsley and Stoke, you know, the fans have got behind them, you know, if you want to call it a twelfth man or whatever, but they've had extra energy behind them in terms of like what's come out of the stands. You know, Stoke, when you've got sixteen hundred or whatever it were, North End fans, like raucous for most of the, the game because, you know, Ryan Lowe's got everyone going. It's just, yeah, that is just so flat today. It was just horrible to watch, and and, and I just I'd never want to go back to that sort of sat, sat at home watching it again because it was just shit. You know, Swansea in a couple of weeks is going to be the same. You know, it's like, uh. yeah. so I think you can tell you feel a bit for George. Nah, I don't feel for George. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think you can tell though when there's no fans, there's literally nothing between the teams at the level. There's absolutely nothing between them. Like, I'm not sure if North End would have gone and won two on at Stoke without the the away end. Um, like, th- there's nothing in the games at all. And I thought that obviously going back to lockdown when Alex Neal was there, I thought there was just nothing between any of the any of the games. Um, and like, there's always a big lull in either half, in both halves during like behind closed doors football, I thought second half, nothing happens for like 20 minutes. There's, there's just no no incidents, like no momentum. And maybe that is why North End couldn't really build any sustained pressure today. But yeah, I think Ryan Lowe mentioned it as well, but it was just absolutely diabolical really, weren't it? Obviously it was a cup game. I think there was four outfield changes, et cetera, et cetera. But the fans not being there was just awful. I don't know as well. No, I don't feel for George because he's got to see a game. Um, do you think, just this is me throwing a question out, which is unlike me, that Plymouth struggled at the back end of last season because there was no fans, especially the way that Ryan Lowe likes his team to play? I think it, in the way that he wants to play, it's probably easier to sort of put teams under pressure if you've got fans there because you've got sustained possession. The crowd are going to get behind you. You can force corners. Like it's obviously it's a very intangible thing having fans there, but it has been proven statistically, obviously, that it does have an impact. Mm. So it probably did have an impact. I thought the way North End used to play as well under Alex Neal was so reliant on creating like momentum. I know Adam Sol is going to hate that, but like you know, camping in camping in the opponent's half, and that's how Ryan Lowe's team wants to create pressure anyway, because they're not particularly direct, the more sustained and like overloading areas, winning set pieces, winning territory. So probably did. I think they actually ended the season very badly, didn't they, Plymouth, from yeah. memory. So yeah, obviously that's just because it was in Wales, but hopefully it doesn't come back in England. I don't think it will. Um, but it was just like a stark reminder of how shit football has been for the last two years. Yeah, it's been completely different, hasn't it? And it's something that like you say I can't see it coming back in to be perfectly honest um, you know they've already scrapped free lateral flow tests saying that it's something we just have to learn to live with so I can't see them like although this government does like a U-turn I can't see them U-turning on this and bringing in restrictions that are going to stop people from attending events um, especially football and you know other sports but in terms of the game as a whole, it was just just very flat, wasn't it? There wasn't. I think you you described it really well. Then Ollie, the, there always seems to be like a lull when there's no fans there. It's weird, isn't it? It's I think like it's too, just like natural though. Like the only sound is from like Ryan Lowe, and like hmm. it's just it's hard to put your finger on, but it, it does make sense why it is like that. Um, I mean, you've heard so. players over the years, haven't you, come out and say how how good it it is to have fans behind you and supporting you and it can help even though it is an intangible thing it can help teams and players and individuals get that extra sort of 10% out of themselves yeah. I think the big thing for me mate is that two hours of my life passed before my eyes pretty much and nothing really happened that's the best way I can sort of describe like <laughs> yeah. the penalty happened there are two goals a couple of defensive mistakes what else really happened in that red, game red card incident that's it the the handball it wasn't and the elbow from Malin Brown. Like I was looking and think, where where did that two hours go? It's like literally what that's the only way I can sort of describe like the game so it's like, well what happened? Yeah. Tough one. Very much a tough one, but um I think unless you two have got anything else you want to say, then we can we can go to a break and we'll come back in part two. We'll discuss how the gaffer's settled in. Um you know he's had he's had his first month at the club and before we finish off part two we'll talk about the transfer window as well cool right i'll see you in part two boys Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. 
We'll discuss the manager's first month in charge, the transfer window, and then we'll finish off by looking ahead to the Birmingham game at Deepdale on Saturday. Boys, how have you found the first month under the gaffer? I know it's been stop-start with COVID and training ground short and no Christmas football. Well, yeah, no Christmas football. Um, what, what's, what's your your sort of key takeaways from his, his time at the club so far? It's positive, isn't he? I mean, I think you just see around the club, everything's a lot more positive, a lot more coming out on social media in terms of videos and just general energy from, from the manager. Um, I think he's uh, sort of the way he acts on the touchline as a coach, he's, it should be really commendable. I mean, there's a moment in the Stoke game when he, ball's going out for a throw and he's got his arm around Josh Early, he's pointing things out and let's find that really refreshing. You know, the way he was with the fans at Stoke, the way he was with the fans at the Barnsley game. It's just like, you, you've just got such more of a positive outlook when he's in charge and someone you can sort of believe in, um, which I think is really key for us now. We're all back in grounds and seeing it first hand and I just think, yeah, he's he's done well so far. you got to sort of take today with a bit of a pinch of salt though. I think today's a bit of a reality check in terms of like what sort of highlights sort of some of the key deficiencies in the squad and like where we need to improve but right, at least he's trying to attack a game a bit worried about lack of clean sheets but that's been the case for a while now I think it's one in the last 13 or 14 but that's something we just need to look at as a club to improve going forward into sort of throughout the window into Feb but seeing we've only played three games it's hard to make a real judgement so far but everything seems to be positive you know like just little things like today integrating Harrop like Abbott's been frozen out for over a year, and it's like all of a sudden, like this knee injury's disappeared, and he's he's back in on on the bench and you know playing what 40, 50 minutes today. Um, so that was quite interesting because I don't think anybody saw that coming. So, yeah, so far, so good. Really, there's not a lot really else you can say on the matter. I think he's what they call like a cheeky chappy. <laughs> He like just he's very scouse, isn't he? Yeah. He just like radiates positivity. Um he's like Ryan Ludson, but a manager version. Yeah, it's probably been <laughs> that's class. It's probably been the strangest first month of a manager's history at North End. Because I think obviously he come in the day after Frankie McAvoy got sacked. Um and then we had obviously the Barnsley game, who they were in terrible form as it was. And then obviously a massive break um, only two league games in a month and obviously take today with a pinch of salt like Jimmy said but yeah I think even today after the game he was quite positive Like I think he was quite positive about Josh Harrop um, which was a bit surprising because I thought it was quite anonymous um, and just generally positive wants to attack Jimmy said one clean sheet in 13-14 I don't think we're ever going to be like a defensively solid team with the personnel and with the style of football. Um, but it's just been a lot. It's been fresh. And like Jimmy said, social media stuff's been good. Um, it seems to have been decent. George will know better, but like with the press and stuff. So, yeah, very positive. It's quite a tough run of fixtures now, like intense period. Obviously got Birmingham, Sheffield, rearranged, and then pretty much a full schedule um, fitting in the rearranged game. So, it's going to be tough. I think there's going to be a point where we do get battered just because of how we play. And if a team takes three or four chances on the day, they're going to punish us. Um, but yeah, very positive. Even today, like we've lost we've lost the game, but we were worse under Frankie. Um, if you're going to lose, at least try and pass it about and stuff like we have done. So yeah, decent decent first month. What, what do you make of the change in style? Well, we, got quite a style. We, we got a style, haven't we, for a start? No, we didn't have a style before. Mm. I mean, there's just little things like the Stoke game and you see, obviously, the left centre-half trying to ping out to the right wing-back, you know, trying to play a diag, you know, on the same the opposite side. You know, little just passages of play that we just haven't seen for months. Just like, it's like you can tell what they're working on. Extent, you know, they're actually working on like pattern of play and rotation and it's, it's just like I know it's really basic stuff but it's like we haven't really seen it and it's like because the style of football has completely changed it, despite obviously the formation remaining 
fairly similar. The actual purpose and style of play is completely different. You know, and even like getting Stoke, last everyone sees Chad Evans as a big lump that just is there to cause chaos. Like you're actually getting into his feet and he's trying to get in behind. And like when he won the corner that led to, to Hughes' header, uh, he's dropped a shoulder, turned and trying to put a ball across a box which had been blocked. It's just little things that I see that I haven't seen in months. You know, I probably haven't seen for since we were in the ground and playing well under Alex Neil, you know, so that's what, 2019? Because we were largely shit at the start of 2020. So you're talking two years since we've actually seen decent football with our own eyes. So it's, yeah, it's just good to see. But it's still early days. Just got to hopefully, you know, keep the trajectory in the league going forward. Now there's no more distractions, is there? Yeah, cups are both out of the way. But I think, like you both mentioned, maybe today's a bit of a reality check and maybe not come back down to earth a bit. But I think despite what goes on on the pitch, the way that the manager carries himself, the way that he is with the press, the way that he engages with the fans, I don't think there's anything wrong with people getting overly excited about that and, and feeling positive about it. Because as good as Alex Neil was for us when he first came in and before COVID and no, he had various things that were sort of out of his control. He was never really one to do what Ryan Lowe's doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, like the uh, Ryan Lowe after the game at Stoke. Fans like yeah. that, though. Fans yeah. like that. Alex Neil, that's not his character. Simon Grayson was a bit 50-50 on that, but obviously Frankie McAvoy didn't get the chance. But um, yeah, things like that probably do buy you a bit of time as well as a manager. And when you're playing the way he's playing... And you're acting our, and you are acting how he's acting. Gets you in the good books. It's just a shame that we've not really had. Well, we've only had one home game, but not had a home game in about a month to build any sort of momentum with the home fans, the home form. Uh, but hopefully that can start pretty soon. Obviously on Saturday and then the Tuesday night after. I mean, we've got three home games before the end of the month, so it just shows like is it five games before the end of Jan. Transfer window. It's just exciting times, isn't it? Really, you know, in terms of for us as fans, we actually get to experience these sort of things again. Um, so yeah, yeah, and not and not take it all in from behind a screen, whether that's a TV screen or a phone screen. Um, we'll come on to the transfer window. Do you think we'll be busy? It's just getting players out, isn't it? It's. I think we said it in, for in, in three the break. windows now, haven't we? Like, who's going to take some of these players because they've done decent money? League One clubs have got no money. Obviously, League Two clubs have got even less money. Um, so, yeah, it's an awkward one. I don't know really. I think for the month, I think the the 25-man squad is open. Um, and then obviously it shuts at the end of the month. But I think it matters. You, you can't... Well, you, if you bring in a centre-back, then surely Hunt's all... Obviously, Lindsay's not going to go, but we're just overstocked in certain areas, but without quality. So it's a very awkward one. I think we need a striker. But obviously, Murphy looks like he's going to stay. You've got Sinclair, Evans, Wickham, probably going to leave. Who knows? Reese. We're not actually short of players. We're short quality, which makes it very hard. And like when you're giving Cunningham two and a half year deal, he's still going to be here for like 18 months. Stuff like that's just quite tricky to work around. Yeah, I think it's. Um... The contract situation just didn't help us, did it? In terms of some of the contracts we gave out, but I think we've sort of got to draw draw a line under the sand now in, in that because it, it's done. It's under previous regimes. It's not, you know, it doesn't help Ryan Low at all. But end of the day, he knows what he's got to work with. He, he needs to. He needs better quality in the squad. I think the first sort of eleven you can get away with it with, with to a certain extent. You know, you've probably got eight or nine players which are. Probably going to be permanent names on the team sheet if they fit. Can probably add a couple in at that point because you know you have got all right players in the squad, but all right players don't get you towards the top end of the league where the club aspire to be. Um, it just needs a complete overhaul in terms of a squad, you know, and I think that will hopefully happen, start to happen this window. But like I said, then I'm like, who takes these players? Just don't. I just don't know who's going to take some of the players that are on decent money that aren't at the level. 
and then the summer, obviously a lot of players leave on freeze. I think we're probably going to be looking at a dozen, aren't we, in, in all honesty. And then we can start changing the squad. But it costs money to bring players in. You know, it's all well and good, these players walking out the door on a free. But then you've got to look at a sign-on fee for these new players. They, they probably want an all-right contract, two, three years, all-right salaries, probably very similar money to what the, current, the, the players that are leaving are currently on. So I don't think financially we're going to be in a better position. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to bring in a bit of quality that makes the squad better in terms of ability. I think the squad has also become pretty unbalanced pretty quickly. Because um, if you look at, say, the left-back situation, when we played four at the back, Earl was out on loan, not really in the picture. We brought Cunningham in as a left-back, I reckon. Can't play there. Brought Hughes in as a left-back. Brought Lindsay in as a left-centre-back. So you've ended up with Hughes, Lindsay and Cunningham for one position in the squad. And Earl is the only left wing back in the squad. So it's just stuff like that becomes pretty unbalanced, overstocked on midfielders. It's a good job they're all right forward so they can play right wing back. Um, but like strikers, just like short compared to centre back. We've got three left centre backs. So, you know, it's just unbalanced. So it's pr- probably going to be quite hard to work around it until summer. I think we'll bring in one or two. Obviously, we'll have identified certain players. Probably need a wing back, left wing back, striker, centre back. If you're being greedy, um, but yeah, it's going to depend on outgoings. But players like Josh Harrop getting minutes today is quite surprising because uh, I'm not sure what. That, where's the room now for Josh Harrop? He's not played That's for it. over a year. He's like, where's the room? He's going to be probably six, six choice, mm. fifth, six choice. Like, would you not rather let him go and bring in a striker? So you need to like. You know, wheel and deal a bit. Um, so it's going to be tough. It's quite hard to do business as well because Premier League clubs are more unlikely to loan out players now. We've seen Deion Sanderson recalled, Ryan Giles recalled. A few others have been recalled because um, obviously clubs don't want to leave themselves short. So it's going to be hard to get quality in. I, don't I, think, I don't think I remember as many players being recalled by the parent clubs as this window. Hmm. It's natural though, isn't it? Because all the Premier League clubs have been burnt with COVID. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for no offence. Keeper situation is interesting as well. I was going to say, there's that situation and the SEP situation as well, because obviously there's two players we're likely to lose in the summer. You know, So you're going to need to look at reinforcements of that in the summer. You know, power situation, still not signed a deal. That could come to a head by the summer. Barky still hasn't. Barky, you know, it's like Barky not even in the squad today. Is he, is he, is he fit yet? Because obviously this ankle problem seems to be causing him a bit of an issue. All of a Sunday, I saw a photo of him yesterday that the club put out, but I still don't believe it's him. Um, I still don't believe he exists, apart from that 80 minutes that he played at Rovers. I think someone just says he's Matthew all of Sunday and turned up for the game. Um, it's like, there's a lot of players like, when you look through the squad, it's like, well, where do they fit in now? And are they going to fit in long term? So it's just, just going to be an interesting month. But like, just don't know who takes them. Just don't like who takes some of these players. It just doesn't make any sense. Like Connor Ripley, I think he's going to be registered rather than Depp because we don't know where Depp's knee is up to. Matthew Hudson's 23, he's 24 in July. He's played one game in the AFL. You know, and he's part of the squad. It's like, well, you know, I, I just look at it and think, we've got to get quality right, haven't we? So, well, I'm naming loads of players in terms of your 25 man squad. I know that that 25 man squad is sort of relaxed at the minute with COVID, but just need That's quality there. Window, isn't it? Yeah, but. So like, I think Ollie's, Ollie's nailed it, hasn't he? You know, very quickly the squad's become overloaded in certain areas, but. With without quality, yeah, and it it'll take at least two windows to rectify that. It's not going to happen overnight. Well, arguably more. I mean, how long have we been saying about getting rid of the likes of Rath, Ripley, um, Hunts? You know, there's players, others that I've probably forgotten that for the last two, three, four windows we've been saying we need to get a shot of them. And they're still here. 
Yeah, but if there's no market to take these players, I mean, COVID's completely changed the game in terms of that. Clubs have no money. They've had no income from fans walking through the gate for God knows how long and, until this season. So the money situation has made clubs in League One and League Two say, that, well, we sort of need to sort of batten down the hatches and like this is what we've got to work with what we've got. You know, the odd fee here on cheap wages and we'll work with that rather than go to Preston North End and pay X, Y, or Z, thousands of pounds a week in terms of loan wages, you know, because let's be honest, the club aren't going to give a player out on loan without a loan contribution for, for wages that, you know, unless they're going to a Bamba Bridge or a, a non-league side. So I sort of couldn't understand why those sort of players haven't left. Um, and some of them want to prove a point. Some of them might not want to go out on loan. You know, we've all heard stories about players saying, no, I want to stay here and fight for my place because that sort of, they're under contract to employment at the end of the day, aren't they? They can stay here if they want to. You know, there's no, uh, until the end of the contract. So they're not in any position where they have to leave on loan or leave on a transfer unless they're sort of pushed out the door at the end mm-hmm. of the contract, really. One who's apparently managed to do that on, since Simon Grayson was here. But I'll not name any names. Um in terms of key areas to strengthen, obviously we've been linked with left wing backs. Um, I think that's pretty much a given. Where else do you think? Goalkeeper. I assume by that you mean for in in future when Iverson's inevitably not here. Did you not see that distribution today? Jesus. <laughs> now I'm only joking, but goalkeeper situation is like a massive issue. I think just long term. Um Rudd, Ripley, Hudson, not championship standard. Everson's probably going to go on to bigger things. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's hard. Um, apparently, there's no recall clauses in Everson's contract. So, saves that worrying about. I think, I don't know about the DRB situation, but you can tell today, as soon as Hughes wasn't in the team, pretty awkward situation. Um, Sepp had his worst game I think Bauer probably had one of his worst games for North End as well so a bit more competition needed there I would imagine the Arby's still on trial it would be a bit quiet, it, it would mm. be a bit strange if he was on trial for like six weeks and then as soon as he can play he goes off somewhere else um, I think his ban is his ban up next week is it like the 13th yeah. or the 14th or something the, so. the thing for me about centre-backs is like I've just said we've got three left-footed centre-backs we're not going to sign any others and we're not going to get rid of any of them three so I think as long as Hughes doesn't play we are going to be in trouble a bit because Lindsay can't play there as you'd want him to and Cunningham for me is just drops off a cliff um, right-footed centre-back Story and Hunts Either of them, so can go out on loan for me, or Hunts can go. Um, Hunts is but, up in the in the summer, any so I can't imagine. Yeah, this time him getting uh, a new deal. No, you, I'd say you'd hope not, but uh, I'll get pelters for that. But as well, because we've got so many right-footed centre mids, I can't see a right wing back coming in. While the Sunday there, Barky there, so it's going to be a left wing back. And then you'd hope a striker because I think we're quite short up front. You can see today Sinclair's trying to make penetrative movements, but he's not a powerful runner at all. He's poor in contact. His top speed's poor. He just he doesn't suit three five two. He did run around quite a lot today, to be fair to him, but he just doesn't really fit into the system for me. Reese is struggling with the system. I think Maguire did okay, but he's another who likes to drop in. So I think we need like another penetrative number nine. Um, but it's just going to be a case of, you know, don't get your fingers burnt in January and give out contracts to dodgy players because that's what's happened last few windows, I think. Yeah, the Abbey's band's up um, a week tomorrow, so a week on Monday. So, wait and see on that one. But you, in terms of, like, number nine, you, just, you want someone who's happy to break line, just getting behind, you know, is actually quite direct as a, as a nine. I think I personally think that Evans was missed today for a large part of the game. I know he's got to give Maguire a bit of a shot, give Sinclair game time, but just like I just felt we had no presence up there for the large majority of the game. And don't be wrong, I think the service was largely poor into Maguire and Reese 
for the first hour they were both on the pitch. Like just, just it was crying out for him to get it into his feet or try and get it get it in behind Morrison and Nelson. Because the three that their centre halves weren't exactly mobile, were they? They're quite static. You know, and but the way they just suffocated us really, just like especially with their bank across the midfield, it was like, well, you're not going to break down and be able to play passes through Volk's pack and then the three centre-halves because one of them is going to be able to read it. So maybe it was just one of those games today where we've just been outdone tactically and with the options that we had on the pitch just didn't really help us affect the game. So I thought the back three struggled a lot more with the... They sort of pressed with three. Then they had that mm. bank in the middle and there was no real penetrative threat. Everything was just in front of their defence and they can just defend as many crosses as they want with that defensive unit. Um, so it was a bit different. Obviously, Barnsley pressed us, but they were wide open behind that and Stoke didn't really press us. Um, so a different sort of a test today. But yeah, penetrative number nine, like Jimmy says. People want a left wing back, which you can't argue with really because we've only got Josh Earl there. Um you know, because Cunningham can't play there. Hughes is much more comfortable central. So, yeah, you'd say them two were the main two positions. And then, I don't know about a centre-back. You might just have to make do with the seven you've got going into three. Because eight going into three is a bit excessive um, when you've got a very strong three. And the ones behind them aren't much different in quality. Um, the thing is with a back three as well, you have to split them out between centre centre backs and play, play, players who can play wide because Hunt can't play wide, Bauer can't play wide, and Lindsay can't play wide. So you got three for one there, and then you got like five for two in the others, and one of them's got to be left footed. So we're just very unbalanced, basically. I think at the back, um, but he's going to stick to the system, so we might as well bring in players who he's going to trust. Um, so it's an interesting one. I can't see a centre-back coming in a starting game straight away. Do, he, do, he, do you he, not think that means Diaby would be the perfect player to come in? Given, But know, then he's not he's not played for two years, so how does he get up to speed? Well, he's got the rest of the season, hasn't he? But how does he get up to speed playing the odd game here and there? Mm, and true. I don't, I don't get what we're trying to sign for a centre-back. So, We've got a Central League game next week, by the way. So I'm thinking that if, if Diaby is still here, then surely after next Monday, he'll be playing in the Central League game as a trialist. Um, I don't know if there's, there's a game, but well, it's meant to be a game this week, I believe. Uh, let's have a look at the fixtures. January the 11th, which is this Tuesday, isn't it? They're meant to be away to Walsall, and then there's no game next week, but then the week after they're at home to Huddersfield on the 25th. So... I'd have thought if they're going to sign Diaby, if, if he's the man, then he, he'd sign pretty much soon after a bounce game or a trial, you know, a central league game like that. Because surely there's going to be other clubs interested in him because he was meant to be all right for Barnsley. It wasn't meant to be a clogger. Yeah, he was He was very good for uh, for Barnsley. The thing is, if we're going to sign Diaby, what's the point in story? I think the story, story signed his deal when Frankie was here, didn't he? Yeah, yeah so just he just signed it. a deal and he's like... But you just said the manager's going to want players that he can trust. So on that he as is, well, but, is he not going to want to bring in his own players? Maybe, but but, but Diaby was on trial before Ryan Lowe got here. So mm. Mm, true. just a strange situation at centre-back. Because Sepp's on loan, he's going to play every week because it's quality. That was the centre-centre-back is, is the best player there. And Hughes is comfortably the best left-footed option. So what are you trying to sign? I don't understand. A left-wing back, I can completely understand. So... Theoretical, isn't it? The yeah. army might have gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all quiet on him. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, the most important one for me will be a striker. Just something different up there. But we'll have to see. Connor Wickham's apparently having a chat this week, isn't he? Can't, I can't. But see again, him but again, it, it, exactly. If he wants to stay, he's not going to be fit for the rest of the season. No. You've got to let him go. He's so, back on the grass, isn't he, apparently? Yeah, but he's. Number one, is he going to get match fit? And number two, is, is he going to stay fit? You'd probably say no to both. Mm. So you got to be pragmatic about it and just let him go. It'd be the easy option to keep him on and not sign anyone. Uh, but there's plenty of good strikers out there. I'm not naming names, but if you look, you'd have to look far. 
be interesting, obviously, if we do go in for anyone at Plymouth, by the way. Obviously, there's a the talk of Hardy, isn't there? You know, that link's been around this week. I think the, the, the other thing that's... It is quiet, like, in terms of talk about players and stuff, but, like, this week, what we've been linked with, two left, we've been linked with a lot at Cambridge. I don't know if there's anything in that. Is it Iredale? Yeah. And then, obviously, Tom Pierce um, this morning through Alan Nixon. So they're both full-back, wing-backs, whatever you want to call them. It's like, I think agents must know what we're after, you know, in yeah. terms of players, you know, because you'll know, Ollie, from working in the industry, that agents will approach clubs knowing what they need. You know, yeah. it's not, you know, it's very savvy as an industry. Like, I know you need this person. Here is an option for you. You know, it's going to cost you X amount. He wants this sort of because that's what happens. That's that's the industry, you know. That's sort of the brutalness of football. Um, but and when we're getting linked with seven, well, you know, it's an agent-led rumor when Peter O'Rourke's putting on Twitter, nine clubs are interested in a player. It's like, oh, <laughs> are they really? Yeah. How convenient! But Alan Nixon yeah. does it when he says Tom Pierce is on a list or whatever. Look. Uh, every club's got a list of dozens of players. So, yeah. Tom Pierce is a good player, by the way. But um, it's another one like Josh Earl. What's what's the situation, with Josh Earl? Because if you sign someone, say a twenty-eight-year-old left wing back on loan, ready-made, it's going to just stunt Josh Earl for another six months. So, just like certain little situations like that, like what's the best outcome, short term or long term? But well, yeah. I think the I think the question on that is is Josh Earl going to make it in the championship long term? I personally think he would. I quite like him. I'm I'm in, I know I'm in the minority. I thought he was excellent at Stoke. I didn't think he was that bad today. Thought he had again f- fine defensively. Going forward, there's always going to be question marks. Um, I think physically he's improved. I think he's quite strong in contact in the air. He's rarely beaten for pace. All right, sometimes gets beat one on one, but all wing backs do. Um, but obviously the club will have to decide but I quite like him um, left footed presence quite hard to come by homegrown especially so I'd keep him around so interesting one Josh Hill how many in and out then do you reckon Josh Hill splits opinion more than anyone I can remember um, it's honestly so hard to say on the outs because you've got players like Joe Rafferty as well like what's going to happen there Maybe maybe Salford, who knows? But you'd probably have to say four or five out, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably four or five out, one or two, maybe three in. It's hard to see three coming in, though, isn't it? Because it's lit. Unless you scrap the 25 man rule because of COVID. Well, that's pretty much paused, isn't it, at the moment? But COVID's not touch wood like COVID isn't going to be around forever. So hopefully, like, once this wave, if you want to call it that, hopefully eases off a little bit. If it does ease off, then you'd think the FO will be quite stringent on the 25-man rule again, given, obviously, how it came in. It's 22-man in League 2, isn't it? So, mm. like, uh, if they're going to scrap it for the season, then it becomes a different ball game for, especially some of the bigger clubs that have got bigger squads. Yeah. You know, so... Um, personally, what I think about the window, I think we'll bring two in. I just worry about how many is going to go out. I'm going to say four out, but those out of those four, you could be talking like Adam O'Reilly to the National League or somewhere like that. It, it might not be the big big hitters going. So you're walking I'm, away on freeze in the summer. I don't want to say anything about the lads out of contract because I'm not too sure. Um, I think the ones that are out of favour are, are will go because who's going to come in and, and take them now when they know they can get them for for free in the summer? They might offer us half, you know, twenty five percent half the wages or something like that. We'll take them now. Will the club take that? I don't know because, like, like also the situation with COVID is so unpredictable. Um, you you might need to keep hold of a Ripley, you know, because then they Ripley's our number two keeper at the minute. So, you know, he's going to be going nowhere until Dex recovered. Story, you probably need to keep around as a... Sorry, I know Story's not even out of contract, but you need to keep him around for for cover. 
hunts, who's going to take hunts at the minute. You know, I don't know many clubs that will... But to be fair, some clubs should take a risk on hunts, you know, in terms of League 1 and League 2, because, you know, he's a seasoned pro. He knows he knows the leagues. I know he's played at those levels before with Yeovil um, yeah. earlier in his career. So he, he could do a job in those leagues without a shadow of a doubt, but does hunts want to go? You know, he's quite settled. Obviously, he's had a lot of issues, you know, in the past 12 months with his own health and obviously he's newborn. So does he actually want to leave the Northwest? To be fair, if you've got a six-month-old at home, you probably don't want to leave the Northwest. You want to stay up here and stay quite close. Um, so I'd get why you'd want to stick around. You know, there's other players that are out of contract. You know, the situation with Barky, nobody really knows. You know, does he want to be here after eight years? You know, is he ready for a fresh challenge? Who comes in with a fee for him this window if he's going to, if we're going to cash in? There's loads of question marks on on stuff like that that you know over the next sorry sort of twenty days, twenty two days, whatever's left of the window will will sort of get answered. Just on hunts, I think um, League Two club pushing for promotion, that kind of thing. You can see you can't really see anything else. But like Jimmy says, like if Carlisle were doing well in the league, you could kind of see that maybe something like that. But you can't really see any other scenario, could you? Um, so, yeah, very tough to get players out. Jamie Thomas still exists as well, by the way. I don't see there. So, like, just, just things like that. It's just weird, isn't it? It's like, they knew that they knew the, the squad maximum was coming in and then they just overstocked it and then they're going to struggle to get players out because of, you know, clubs that have any money. So, let's hope Salford come in for seven of our players. <laughs> <laughs> I would say stranger things have happened, but I don't think they have. Yeah, we'll finish off then. We'll we'll look ahead to Birmingham on Saturday. Uh, what are you, Ollie? You're not attending, are you? No. Jamie, you'll be there, won't you? Oh yeah. Ollie, are you back um, on phone phone shows from that point or nineteenth? Nineteenth. Yeah. Which so I can watch all the games legally via iFollow, which would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What what do you make of it heading into it? Well, the Birmingham game. Yeah, it's probably a good time to play them, isn't it? Really, if you look at the form, they've been dreadful. Um, I can't. I didn't actually believe how bad they've been. Um, when you look at their results, I think they've won f- four games in about the last nineteen. You know, and only one of them was away. They beat Middlesbrough somehow, uh, but I think that was pre. While they're taking charge, um, might have been the end of Neil Warnock to be honest. Like that, that game, but yeah, they're, they're not great. They've won one in the last um, nine games. Got beat off Plymouth yesterday in the FA Cup. Um, played quite a few kids yesterday. Um, I think five nineteen-year-olds played, and a sixteen-year-old came on. Joe Bellingham, um, playing a three-five-two, aren't they? Two big units up front in terms of Deeney and um, Hogan. Oh, it's called Hogan. Hogan. Yeah. yeah. So last last time they were away from home, they went to Blackburn and got beat four 0 So um, yeah, could be interesting. I think it's another really good game for Ryan Lowe. Mm. Similar to Barnsley, that is like when Barnsley came in terrible form. The front two, I think Deeney's got seven goal contributions, and I think Hogan also has seven goal contributions. As front twos go, they're probably not quite top six like they would have been a few years ago standard, but they're not bad as a front two. Um, and I th- Troy Deed is not going to press and Scott Hogan's not particularly energetic anymore like he used to be. So it shouldn't cause too many problems building up. I think they just signed Ted and Mengi from United. Um, obviously, Jude Bellingham's brother come on the other day. I like Ryan Woods. I've always liked Ryan Woods. He's there now. Sort of similar to Ben Whiteman. Um but yeah, I think it's a really good opportunity. They've, they're another club who seems to have just become very stale. Um, obviously, the Deeney thing was quite exciting for their fans in summer, but what's he going to do, really? He, you know, he might pop up with a header or, or a goal, but he's not going to trouble trouble you for 90 minutes. So I'm quite confident going into it. So it's another really good chance to get two home wins in a row. Uh, hopefully, fans turn up in the numbers where it's meant, meant to be a bit better as well I think so hopefully a decent 
three points there. And then most important thing for me will be a clean sheet. Because I think we can score just getting clean sheets and then going into Sheffield United game, which will be a good game. Yeah, we sort of... Because we've not had football for so long that they like, what has it been, about a month? Be a month between games, aren't it, Barnsley to Birmingham? You know, we've had no football over Christmas. This is our sort of time to be able to turn up. So hopefully we can um, put in a bit of performance because it's a busy week in it. Sheffield United on Tuesday night. Then we go to Swansea next week. So it's like it's a it's a busy week coming up. A busy what, two weeks if you if you want to put it like I think it's like midweek. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, it's busy it's to like, the end of the month, isn't it? We got a game it, like every. It's, it's, it's going to really st- it's going to really stretch the squad, and I think mm. players have already settled into their roles quite well, as in the strongest eleven. So it's going to be really interesting to see how adaptable some of these players are coming in. Might be a bit of shuffling with the wing back, centre mids, strikers. So it's going to be a, quite a big test. It could go very very well very quickly if we say get six seven points from the next three games. And you ride the wave a bit. Um, might push us on to bring another player in. Who knows? 11 games in the next 48 days as of today. 11 league games, that is. So, you know, we've got, what, three, we've got six home games in that time. And you look at the six home games, you, you want to be winning probably at least four of them, you know, Birmingham this week, Sheffield United, it's one of those where they're the form team in the league. Then Bristol City, who are so inconsistent. Huddersfield, again, hit a bit of a rocky patch, but inconsistent at this moment in time. Reading, who are bottom six fodder, and Nottingham Forest at the end of Feb, who are just got a right result today haven't they, against Arsenal. So, yeah, good, good coach, good coach, Steve Cooper. 5 mm. 0 uh, North End. Against Birmingham, three one. I go two nil. Oh God, we've Like you say, though, it's hard to say anything but a win in that game. Can we say call off for COVID? Can we make that prediction? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Birmingham had Birmingham had any sort of outbreak, by the way, or or break due to COVID? Not sure. Always, it's always a bit of an alarm bell. Is not had a yeah. I think Leicester have, Leicester, Leicester have literally just called their game off on Tuesday. Still going on, in it? I think the worst is over, like you said before, but you just never know, do you? I think they might have had it. Yeah, they, they were, they've had their thing over Christmas. So they had the game against Fulham and Peterborough called off over Christmas, Birmingham, from cases at Birmingham. So... Touchwood then. That's that's no... a relief, yeah. Because I think once the, if they've had a big bout of it, then obviously they're on. A, is it red protocols or something like that? They call it at the minute. Yeah, so it should it's be like a little two, bit. Two coaches to away games in it with keepers on each coach. Like all press conferences are back over Zoom. There's none, none in person. All that yeah. sort of stuff. So hopefully that means the game will be on. So that's a. Uh... A thumbs up. Fingers crossed. Uh, what are your predictions? We've oh, done, done that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm tired. Um, yeah, boys, I think unless you've got anything else you want to say, then we can we can wrap it up there. Call that a pod. Nice one. Sound. Sweet. Uh, yeah, listener, thank you very much for listening to episode 23 of the From the Finney podcast. As we said at the start, you can support us by heading over to supporter.acast.com forward slash from the Finney. If you're listening on an Apple device, you can leave us a review. Slag us off in the comment if you want, but if you could leave us a five-star review, that'd be grand. And, yeah, cheers, boys. Thanks for your time, as always. Busy week this week, Jake, for you, in it? Thursday? What am I doing on Thursday? Oh, you're joking now. Are you kidding me? What's happening on Thursday, Jake? What? <laughs> your big uh, release. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at my calendar like, what have I got on Thursday? Um, I, I've, I've got two appointments with the missus and the baby, well, unborn baby, this week as well. So I was like, how do you know about them? They're not on, on Thursday. They're not in uh, my calendar. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Thursday should be interesting. I'm about three quarters of the way through the edit now. So, yeah. Looking forward to it. See how people how react. In, how interesting is it going to be for us um, as fans? It will be interesting, definitely. It's Graham Wesley, isn't it? It's not, not going to be interesting. Did he call really? himself Graham? No, I don't think he did. He did sit in the dark, though, for about 10, 15 minutes at the end of the recording. Any reason? Uh, yeah, his lights went off and he just didn't turn them back on. I wish I'd sat in the dark watching his football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on that note, I think we can uh, end the recording.